Hey, it's day 20. This feels like a milestone, doesn't it? We made it into the 20s, and we're only one day away from being three weeks into this challenge. You are doing an amazing job. Keep it up. Way to go. You should be super proud of yourself. This is not an easy challenge, but you are making your way towards the goal one day and one step at a time. I'm Jeff Pullen, and this is the 5K Every Day in the Month of May 2021 podcast. I mentioned yesterday that we are going to keep playing songs from my solo record from back in 2006. I hope it has not been too painful for you. Today is going to be an interesting musical offering. We're going to begin and end the podcast with the exact same song, though the two versions were recorded several years apart. The first version is one from my Here I Am record recorded in 2006 at the Dark Horse Recording Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. The second version will be the same song, but recorded by Poland Band several years later and definitely rocked up a bit. If you make it through the whole podcast, I would love for you to leave me a comment and let me know which version you liked better and why. So to get us started, here is White as Snow. Here I am again Where do I begin? I've been covered up Bound up by my sin And there you are again You're singing over me And you are weeping over me once again And it's your kindness that leads me here To this place of sweet repentance I can see so clear that you have washed me in your blood. 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 And I'm white as snow. down on the ground tears are burning falling down my face and there you are again you're filling up my heart with the fullness of your mercy and your grace and it's your kindness that leads me here to this place of sweet repentance Where I can see so clear That you have washed me in your blood You have washed me in your blood You have washed me in your blood You have washed me in your blood, you in your blood. And I'm white as snow Without you I am lost in my own 
And how could you still love me after everything I've done? But just like a thorn in your crown You look past my sin to see your son It's your kindness that leads me here To this place of sweet repentance Where I can see so clear That you have washed me in your blood You have washed me in your blood You have washed me in your blood You have washed me in your blood, you in your blood. And I'm white as snow Alright, we're going to do a quick Q&A session with a few questions I've received throughout the challenge. Nothing major today, but some fun questions that I wanted to take a few moments to answer. First question, we've been listening to two to three songs you've written every single day. How many songs have you written? Well, I don't really think about it in terms of numbers, but yeah, I have written quite a few songs. The country band that I played with from 1997 to 2004 released four full-length albums with all original songs that I had written. I would guess that added up to roughly 50 country songs I had written during those years. Going back a little further, I actually traveled with an alternative punk rock band, believe it or not, called Toothless Piranha. What a great name. And I'm guessing I wrote, well, roughly 10 songs while I was the lead singer for that band. I put my faith in Christ and began to actually follow Christ in 2003. From that point on, I've pretty much exclusively written Christian songs or songs from a Christian perspective. I wrote the five songs that are on the Here I Am CD and then a few other songs that didn't make the CD. And then I started writing songs for Church and for Pullen Band. And Pullen Band released three full-length records with all original songs. So that's a little over 30 songs that I wrote. And of course, the three Nothing New Under the Sun projects that each had three original songs on them. Plus, I have quite a few Songwriters Guild songs, If We songs, and some songs from the solo projects, both recorded recorded and unrecorded, so I would say the number of songs I have personally written is well over 100, but uh, not all of them have been recorded, and not all of them are very good, and not all of them will wind up on this daily podcast. Um, that may seem like a lot, but at two songs per day, I am quickly running out, so let me know which songs you have enjoyed the most, because I'm going to start repeating songs in the coming days. In fact, I repeated a song yesterday, and I would love to repeat songs that you actually like. All right, next question. This has come up a lot in personal conversations as well as in the check-in and Facebook group comments. 
Here it is. I'm going to miss the daily podcast. Have you ever considered offering commentary on the entire Bible? Well, first off, thank you. I'm so glad that people are enjoying the daily podcast and appreciate the commentary. But no, at this point, I can honestly say that I have not seriously considered offering a commentary of the entire Bible. I'm flattered that someone would want me to, but I suspect I would lose everyone pretty early on in the book of Leviticus. If you've been enjoying the daily podcast and would like to have more content like this, I will say a couple of things here that may be of interest to you. First, I do put out a weekly video series called the Midweek Worship Connection. These videos are roughly 10 minutes in length and go out every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel and also at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook. Of course, if you have subscribed to my blog at www.jeffpullmusic.com, you will receive an email alert every time the Midweek Worship Connection videos go live on my blog as well. I do 13 episode seasons, one episode per week, and then take an entire month off between seasons. The videos consist of roughly five minutes of teaching plus a music video of sorts, and you also get to hear from my beautiful bride in the middle. After having so much fun with the JPM 5K May podcast, I have considered creating a Midweek Worship Connection podcast that just includes the audio version of the weekly Midweek Worship Connection but I'm not sure anyone is too interested in a weekly 10-minute podcast, so that idea has not really taken off at this point. I am also currently in the middle of writing two books that I am really excited about. One is tentatively called Human Again, and it's really a book that looks at the Ten Commandments, and the other is called Stay and Make Disciples, the precursor to Go and Make Disciples. Hopefully those two books will be finished and published within the next couple of years, but I do currently have two books that are available now. One is called The Greatest Sacrifice. It's a children's book that portrays the gospel through a baseball parable. The other is called Weekly Worship Thoughts, and it is a 52-chapter devotional type book for worship teams, worship leaders, and generally anyone who is interested in musical worship and all that goes into it. If you're interested in either of those two offerings, you can find them on my website, www.jeffpullenmusic.com. Just click the store link and away you go. Last question, what is the Jeff Pullen Music Ministry anyway, and how do you operate? Awesome question. The Jeff Pullen Music Ministry is something that I started back in 2006 and dabbled with on the side while I focused full-time on being an effective youth pastor and music director at a church. In 2017, my wife and I decided to jump in headfirst and commit to becoming full-time musicianaries with the Jeff Pullen Music Ministry. I now travel around the country singing and speaking, working with different churches and ministries, and training pastors, laypersons, and students students how to practically advance the gospel and make disciples, as well as musically. And there are four aspects to the Jeff Poland music ministry. The first is the most obvious, singing and speaking. I am frequently asked to come and sing and or speak at different churches or events, which I love to do. The second aspect is sound and lighting. I found out real early that there was a disconnect between what well-intending ministries wanted their gospel advancing event to be like and what it was actually like. The disconnect was often the sound and lighting. So we began to build a sound system that we could use as we traveled and that others could use to make sure the message goes out loud and clear. The third aspect is Taylor's Playground Recording Studio. So many of the songs you are hearing on this podcast were recorded here at Taylor's Playground Recording Studio. I own and operate the studio, and aside from recording my own songs, I do offer it to other Christian artists who have a great story to tell, but no real way to get that story out into the world. And the final aspect is training and resources, which includes the books and the videos that we are putting out, as well as in-person training and workshops. This 5K Every Day in the Month of May challenge is a bit of a jumbled mess between singing and speaking, Taylor's Playground Recording Studio, where the podcast is being recorded, and training and resources. Some of the things we do don't necessarily fit nicely into just one category, and that's okay too. 
how do we operate? We are full-time musicianaries. So we do continue to exist because of the faithful, financial, and prayer support of people who believe in the ministry and who have been blessed by the ministry. We have an amazing ministry partner team, some who give annually and some who give monthly. Their generous donations make things like the 5K Every Day in the Month of May Challenge possible. Of course, we also do little fundraisers along the way, like the upcoming Jeff Pullman Music 5K and Music Festival. And I know that a lot of people who signed up for this 5K May 2021 Challenge signed up for free, but also made a donation. So thank you to all the people out there who continue to make this challenge possible. We do not want to charge for the challenge, but obviously there's a cost associated with printing hundreds of t-shirts and shipping a large portion of them out of state. If you would like more information about joining our Jeff Pullen Music Ministry Partner Team, please click on the Become a JPM Ministry Partner link on the website at www.jeffpullenmusic.com. We do have other projects that we are hoping to complete this year, and our current vision for ministry does exceed our current funding. But we can't complain. God is good, and he has provided for us in amazing and miraculous ways. So I hope that answers the questions. And now let's go ahead and get back into the Gospel of Luke for today's Bible reading. Chapter 14. One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and said, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Again, they could not answer. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. 
A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them some advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit at the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you'll be honored in front of all of the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's Luke 14 verses 7 through 11. And this is really great advice. Obvious since it's coming from Jesus, but this is really good stuff. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus gave this advice. And then of course, in typical Jesus fashion, he goes on to tell a parable and the parable is really helpful and important, but it can be easy to miss the forest for the trees here. What was the actual purpose? of the parable. Don't miss this. The parable was told specifically to call out the Pharisees. Let's glance back at verse 1 to see the context of the advice and the parable. One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. That's Luke 14, verse 1. Jesus was not some passive-aggressive pushover or recluse. He told this story to call the Pharisee leaders out in their wrongdoing, but he did it in such a way that they could, hopefully, see the error of their ways, repent, and choose to do better in the future. He cared enough about them to clearly call them out. Now, of course, as mentioned towards the end of yesterday's teaching on Luke 13, he also did this to take another kick at the hornet's nest. But God does not want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to repent of their sin and turn to Jesus. Unfortunately, rather than seeing the light and running towards it, some people, when exposed to the truth, will turn around and run faster and further into the darkness. This is exactly what is going to happen with most of the Pharisees and religious leaders. But here's the deal. Jesus is still in the business of calling out wrong ways of living today. He cares enough about us to clearly call out our wrongdoing so that we can see the error of our ways, repent, and choose to do better in the future. We don't have to double down and dash into the darkness. We can run towards the light, towards truth. Hopefully this daily Bible reading has exposed our hearts and minds to the truth of God's word. When exposed to the truth, how do we respond? Are we open to the idea that our ways may be wrong and that God's ways are always right?
And how is Jesus calling out our wrong ways of living today on a practical level? Well, I think he primarily does this three different ways. Number one, he speaks directly to us through the work of the Holy Spirit, either to our hearts or to our minds or even directly to our ears. You can see this in John 10 verse 27 where Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The second way is he speaks through other men and women. In Deuteronomy 18.18, it says this, I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command him. And then thirdly, he speaks through our reading of the Bible. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's Hebrews 4 verse 12. Praise God that he still speaks to us today. I am so thankful that he loves and cares for us and speaks kindly with words of affirmation towards us. I'm also thankful that he loves us enough to rebuke us when we are heading in the wrong direction or thinking incorrectly about a subject. What do you think God is speaking to you today? Chapter 15. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. 
Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. To help us break down Luke 15, we have a special guest today, my good friend and fellow 5K mayor, Keith Byler. All right, I have the privilege now of hanging out for a little bit with Keith Byler, and Keith is a great friend of mine, a guy who's been doing the 5K every day in the month of May challenge for several years, and you've been completing the challenge too, right? Yeah, man, I've completed every time I've tried. That's awesome. How many years have you done it? I think it's my third year. It could be fourth, but I think it's my third. That's pretty great. So, so excited. You're on the podcast, man. This is great. Uh, and so I'd love it if you just take a moment here and tell us a little bit about yourself. Who's talking to us right now? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. It's, it's an honor to be on this podcast. I am one of the pastors at Fairlawn Mennonite Church in Apple Creek, Ohio. I uh, moved here 11 years ago from Phoenix, Arizona with my wonderful wife, Emily. We got five kids. Our oldest is 11 and the youngest is three years old. So we're in the thick of this whole parenting thing. But love it. It's been crazy good. I don't know where I'm from. I have an identity crisis because I was born in Canada but then also lived in Dover, Delaware, where my parents were originally from, and then moved to Pennsylvania, and then moved to Arizona, and lived at a few other places too. So I'm not sure where I'm from, but Ohio, I now consider as my home, and I love it here. That's kind of a bit of a running joke, actually. Keith is in Poland Band. So if you've been listening to the podcast, you've been listening to the Poland Band music, Keith is the bass player for Poland Band, and everywhere we travel, he meets somebody and says, hey, where are you from? And no matter what they say, he always says, hey, I'm from there too. So we kind of make fun of him for that because I would keep a track. I think you're from uh, roughly 1,300 different places. That's somewhat true. Somewhat true. <laughs> and, and I am the bass player of Poland because it's all about that bass, about that bass, no treble. So there you have it. All right. Well, uh, you've been doing this challenge this year. You're doing it. You've done it several years uh, previous. And by now, I mean, we're well on our way through this challenge. I see you out there getting it done. And I know some people are maybe struggling a little bit. It's, you know, their muscles are sore. And I just wonder, could you offer a quick encouragement to the amazing people who are participating in this epic 5K May 2021 challenge? The truth of the matter is I do not like running. I actually hate running. I run so I can eat whatever I want without getting obesely fat. Uh, so that's that's my motivation for running. But the 5K challenge in May has been really rich because I've done it as community. First with my kids, I've run with my kids. In fact, my kids love the month of May because they know that's the time when I take them out for little runs and for walks every day. And they love those times of talking together, hanging out together. My wife and I have got some really cool dates and just going on for three mile runs and 
walks together. So my encouragement for you in this challenge is it can be rough at times pushing through every day. And it is rough at times, but if you do it with people, it's so much more enjoyable and so much more fun. In fact, my one of my last 5Ks, I just went on for a 5K walk and talked to my mother on the phone for the majority of that time. It was just a really rich time talking to my mom who doesn't live local here and don't get to spend a lot of time with her. So that's my encouragement with this challenge is keep going. You're, you're doing really great to make it more fun. Do it in community with other runners and other friends. Awesome. And I want to just give you a moment here. I haven't done this with the other guests, but maybe I don't know their wives as well as I know yours. I want to give you a moment to just brag on your wife because she's been running. She's been killing it. And also uh, your oldest son, Davey, just ran a pretty fast mile. So I'm going to give you a moment here to just brag on your wife and kids. My wife is insanely awesome. I don't think there's a lot of things about me that are really awesome. But one thing that's really awesome about me is my taste in women is impeccable. I hope and it's just your taste in woman that's impeccable. <laughs> I don't know. Of all the women in the world, I feel like I married the best one. So uh she struggled with health issues for a long time, came to a point a couple of years ago with if she'd walk up a set of stairs, she would be breathing very hard. Like she just ran a 5K because the way her body was reacting to some sickness that she was going through, but through it, she pushed through and we were able to find some healing and some remedies there. And she has just pushed and pushed and got herself to a place where she is now running like crazy. She's fast. She has ran half marathons before. And in this 5K May challenge, she is just killing it, running some really fast. 5Ks, along with my oldest son, David, who's 11, also running some fast 5Ks too. It's been fun to see them really succeed at this. I can't keep my wife from running. She wants to run all the time. And then I'm on the other side of things where she has like kicked me out the door to run sometimes because I just have a hard time doing it. So she's awesome. You are one of the pastors at Fairlawn Mennonite Church, about to transition into being the senior pastor at Fairlawn, which is fantastic. And here we are in the Gospel of Luke. I'd love to hear what you have for us from Luke chapter 15. What a great passage here of, of Luke chapter 15. Jesus is telling these parables about the kingdom, about what following Christ is like. The one I want to focus on for these couple minutes here is the parable of the lost son. It starts uh, in chapter 15 at verse 11 and goes all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 32. So some things I want us to notice about this is you have a father with two sons. And one son says, basically, drop dead, dad. I want the inheritance now. Incredibly disrespectful. But just, I want your stuff. Give me what you have for me. I don't want to wait till you're dead. And then goes and leaves and just squanders all of his father's wealth. Goes to parties, crazy hanging out, crazy extravagant living. But then eventually runs out of money, which means he runs out of friends. And he finds himself feeding pigs, feeding these animals. And he's so hungry, he's actually considering like eating the same stuff the pig's eating. And he comes to his senses and recognizes that my dad's servants who work for him on the farm at least get three meals a day. So I'm going to go back to my dad and at least tell him like, okay, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore, but can I be a, someone who works for you, your lowest servant, and at least get some food here. And when he goes home, he finds his father has been waiting for him while he's still a long ways off. His father comes running at him, hugs him, 
kisses him, embraces him with a ring and with extravagant clothes and throws him a big party and is so excited to see his son. He doesn't even get his pre-made speech out about being a hired servant. His father just accepts him right away as a son. And then the movie or then the then the show moves on to uh the older son who is in the field seeing and hearing the party and the dancing. And when the father comes out to ask why he's not joining in, he's very upset. And the older brother is so upset that he won't actually be a part of anything that's going on. And I think it's just incredible what the father tells the older son. He says, all these years, you have been with me. I think one of the main points of the story is Jesus is trying to show something through the story about what it means to follow him. And the point of all of this following him and being in the kingdom, being part of the gospel, uh, the message of the gospel, is that we get to be with God. That's what he's trying to bring out to the older brother when he says, all these years you've been with me. And I'm so excited that your younger brother now, even though he's embarrassed us and shamed us and has squandered our wealth, the fact that he's with me is what matters the most. Because I think what Jesus is, is saying here is at times we can get really hung up on different slants of the gospel. It's not actually the bullseye of the gospel. You see, the bullseye of the gospel is that we actually get to live life with God. If you wanted someone to understand the gospel, you have to start with God created us to be with him. That was the whole point of us being created was to be with God in relationship. And that's why when you explain the gospel to somebody, you also end with saying that what the gospel means is life with Jesus right now and also lasts forever. Because the whole point of all of this is that we are living life with God. And so Basically, what the father's saying in the parable is, your younger brother, I don't appreciate the disobedience and running off and squandering the wealth and all that, but all that is secondary to one thing. Your younger brother is now with me, and that's what I care about. And then the, his message to the older brother is similar and yet different of, like, I appreciate everything you've done for me. I appreciate the way you work for me and your faithfulness, but honestly, all that is secondary, too, to the fact that you are with me. The point of the gospel is that we are with God. I think we can fall into these two wrong slants of the gospel. One being where we actually look at God as simply like the younger brother looked at the father, simply a means of getting stuff. Drop dead, dad, give me your stuff. We can look at God sometimes as I just serve God because he can give me stuff. There's things I need in life. And there's, there's a line of truth in that, that God is our provider. God is the one who gives us things that we need. But this wrong slant of the gospel really looks at life one dimensionally, looks at God one dimensionally as simply a means of getting stuff. And that was the younger brother's problem with his view of his father. And then the older brother's problem with his view of the father is that he thought that all he was supposed to do is just work for his dad. Just that's where he found his significance is doing stuff for his dad and was mad at his younger brother because he didn't do stuff for his dad. He wasn't faithfully serving like he was as the older brother. The father's response to that is why I appreciate you know, what you've done for me. Um, that's not the main point either. The stuff we do for God isn't the main point. The main point is that we are with God. When I read this parable of the lost son, it really speaks to me of get the bullseye of the gospel correct. It's not just using God to get stuff like the younger brother did. It's not just using God as a way of finding fulfillment for me in my life, but it's actually bringing me back to this idea of whether I've been a complete failure at life, squandering the good things God has given me, or I've been super faithful and doing all this religious good stuff for God. 
Both of those are secondary to the point of the gospel, which is to live life with God. Jeff, you have a really interesting vision statement for JPM. Tell me again what that vision statement is, and I'll tell you why I find it very interesting. So Jeff Pullen Music Ministry exists to point others to Jesus Christ, who is the source of all truth, love, life, and good, and in the process, not to miss him for ourselves. When I first heard that, I found it really intriguing because I was interested or I was intrigued by the, the process of not missing him yourself. And I was like, well, why would that need to be a part of your vision statement or your purpose statement? But the more I've thought about, it, the more I've come to really appreciate that purpose statement and like it because there is a real possibility of being about the things of God and potentially missing the gospel for yourself. And I think that's what the older brother in this parable kind of happened. He was so about doing stuff for the father and finding his significance as this person who was accomplishing so much for his father that he actually forgot the bullseye of it all. And that was that he was in relationship with the father. So as you approach this parable, you might be a really religious person who goes to church all the time, does a lot of stuff for God, and maybe sharing the gospel with other people or like serving at your church ministries and stuff like that. And there's still a potential of you making that the gospel and missing the bullseye of the gospel, which is actually knowing Christ and remaining in Christ and living your life with God. And then maybe you're hearing this podcast and you're on the other side where you've God has given you a lot of good things like breath and life and friends and family and a lot of resources. And you've just squandered that, not used any of that to honor Christ. Still, the call is that's okay. Like there's forgiveness, there's redemption because God wants to live life with you. It's not about how bad you've done stuff. That's not the point. The point is that God, no matter what you've done, that God wants to be in relationship with you. God is not just the way to get to the treasure. God actually is the treasure. What a great reminder from Luke 15. God is not just the way to get to the treasure. God actually is the treasure. I hope you appreciated that word from fellow 5K mayor Keith Byler. Now let's jump back into the gospel of Luke. Chapter 16. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be 
enslaved to money. The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, You like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. Until John the Baptist, the law of Moses and the messages of the prophets were your guides. But now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone is eager to get in. But that doesn't mean that the law has lost its force. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the smallest point of God's law to be overturned. For example, a man who divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery. And anyone who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. There was a ton of great stuff within these three shorter chapters today. What stands out to me the most, though, was this section right here at the end of chapter 16. Here in this parable, Jesus once again reveals the eternal insignificance of earthly riches. He also reiterates the importance of Moses and the prophets, essentially the Old Testament, and we get a practical glimpse of what it looks like for the first to be last and for the last to be first. What stands out to me the most in this parable, though, is what happens in that moment that the rich man realizes that hell is real and that he will be there forever. What a terrible, tragic moment. And yet it becomes such a clarifying moment for him as well. In that moment, the rich man who thought of himself as more highly than he ought while on earth instantly becomes an evangelist of sorts. This is what it says. The rich man said, Father Abraham, at least send Lazarus to my father's home, for I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. That's Luke 16 verses 27 through 28. Suddenly, his compassion is engaged. Though he could not personally tell his five brothers about the reality and the horror of hell and the utter foolishness of seeking personal comfort at the expense of others during our brief lives here on earth, he begged Abraham to send Lazarus to them so they could be warned and change their ways before it was too late. But Abraham says, Moses and the prophets have already warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. We see here the importance of knowing the word of God. But the rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham knew better. And he said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. 
And of course, this is just a parable, but the truth remains. And I wonder, what will it take for us to become passionate about warning others of the eternal anguish that is in store for those who refuse to put their faith in the one who is greater than Moses and the prophets, the one who really did rise from the dead? We'll leave it there for now, and tomorrow we will get to meet Zacchaeus, that wee little man, and Jesus will enter into Jerusalem where we will hear Luke's account of Jesus laying down his life for hours on the cross. I sure hope you have been enjoying this walk through the Gospels. I would love to know what is most standing out to you as we read these three chapters per day, so feel free to leave comments on the Facebook group page or on the blog. As we wrap up today's podcast, as promised, here is the second version of White as Snow, this time by Poland Band.
It's your kindness that leads me here To this place of sweet repentance Where I can see so clear You have washed me in your blood 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 Time